Welcome to the Victory of the Lamb podcast. We are a simple, straightforward Bible teaching church in Katy, Texas. If you are in the area, we'd love for you to stop by anytime. Otherwise, we hope you use this podcast to grow in your faith and be confident in sharing it with many. You can find us online at VOTL.org. We hope you enjoy this message, and God bless your week. What is the most excellent way? God's grace, mercy, and peace be yours in abundance as you consider the answer to that question. The most excellent way to live your life and arrive at this answer. Because the king lives, we are brave to love. It is no secret that most, if not all of us, are constantly searching for the very best way to live out our lives. And so the question we quietly keep asking ourselves is, what is the most excellent way? What is the most excellent way to have a family? The most common answer in the United States, at least, might be, well, we'd like to have two or three children spaced apart by two or three years. Why? Because a lot of young parents think that would be the most excellent way to have a family if they were in control of that decision. What's the most excellent way to get around town from point A to point B? Some people say sports car, while other people say minivan. Some people say a small vehicle is the best way because it gets better gas mileage. Other people say a larger vehicle is the best way because you're more protected in case of an accident. Some people say driving a newer car is the most excellent way because there's less chance it's going to break down. Others say an older car, driving that is the most excellent way because then you don't have the car payment. What is the most excellent way to get around town? There's a lot of different opinions about that. What about the most excellent way to work? During COVID times, many of us, for the first time, were working from home regularly. And some of us thought that was the most excellent way to keep doing it. Others of us thought, no, that's the worst way to keep doing it. I can't wait to go back to work and be around other people in the office. And maybe most would have the opinion, I think a combination of both is the most excellent way. Working one, two, or three days at home and spending one, two, or three days in the office around other people. People are making changes all the time in search of the most excellent way to live. Some of those life changes might even be drastic. Yet, none of them really go deep enough. They're all really just based on externals and none of them address the heart. In our sermon verses for today, God tells us all about his opinion on the most excellent way to live our lives. God does not mess around with externals. He goes straight for the heart and he will tell us today, because Christ the King lives, this is the most excellent way. Be brave to love. We get started with the first few verses as we find what is being addressed here, the most excellent way, why love is better in what you say, in what you think, and in what you do. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. 
if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Did you catch all of that? What are the most excellent words to fall from your lips? If you could speak in many different languages, even the language of angels, and people would wow at your words. If you had the spotlight on you, if you were me first as you are speaking those different languages, you might as well just be walking around saying, gong, 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 gong. You're irritating in what you're saying because you don't have love. It's not the most excellent way. What about what goes through your mind if you can predict the future with the gift of prophecy? If you can fathom all mysteries that no one else can grasp? If you have a faith that can move mountains because you believe so strongly in what you are believing in, yet you don't have love? It's centered on me first. You have nothing. And with your activity, even if you give all you possess to the poor, even if you surrender your body to the flames, even if you give up absolutely anything and everything you have, but you do that to keep the spotlight on you, to get people to talk about you, you don't have love. You have gained nothing. You see, love is different than the normal way we live. Love is different than a me-first life with the spotlight squarely embedded on yourself. There are three different words in the Greek language that mean love. One of them is eros, that means romantic love. Another one is philos, that's the love of a friend, and it's also the word used in the city of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, philos. The word used here in these scriptures and the word that often is used to describe God's love for us sinners is the word agape. Agape love is the most excellent way. Agape love is deep compassion under all circumstances, not just casual feelings under easy circumstances. Agape love is action. Action that sees a need and takes action to fill it, not just feelings or talk. Agape love doesn't play favorites. It reacts the exact same way no matter who is standing in front of them. Agape love always asks, how can I build you up? Instead of asking, how can I one-up you or be greater than you? A thought-provoking question is, do you spend your waking hours building others up in love or building yourself up to win at all costs at the expense of others. It's difficult enough to show Christian love when times are simple and smooth. It's even more difficult during times of tension. I've heard that there are three reactions during times of tension. Fight, flight, and freeze. Each one of you veers towards one of those three more than the other two. And while all of them are useful, 
And while all of them have some value, especially if they are done in a loving way, they all can be very me-first. If you are in a me-first fight, sometimes it is good to face a problem head-on and stand tall. Sometimes it's a, courage, a, a courageous thing to be able to do that. But not when you're me-first ready to fight. Me-first fights happen when you dare the other one to keep it up and you muscle up into action to teach them a lesson to keep a record of their wrongs to make sure they know they messed with the wrong person when they messed with you when you are full of me first sinful fight you rank that person far far lower than anyone else and definitely far lower than yourself even if you won the fight though your anger is not satisfied and you still are unsettled with me-first nastiness. What about flight? Sometimes it's good to walk away. It's even a Bible verse, turn the other cheek. But it's not good to turn the other cheek or walk away if you are being me-first with me-first flight. That would be when you are paralyzed with fear and in your me-first flight you keep chewing on all the nasty details of the problem. You think that all of your problems are this other person's fault. And someday, if they ever get around to getting their act together, maybe that will change, but probably not anytime soon. In order for them to grow, they're going to have to do that on your own because you already fled the scene. You were me first in your flight. And even though you might be me first in the flight and you're not around them directly anymore, somehow... You're still angry about it all and can't let it go. What about me first freeze? Sometimes it's good to take a little extra time to think about the situation, to float, to consider your next step without doing anything rash or foolish, but not when you freeze in a selfish way. When you freeze and you're me first and you aren't going to change, you aren't going to actively show love, you aren't actually going to do much of anything. Someone else can do the heavy lifting because you are freezing, you are yielding. You simply don't feel like loving or helping anymore. And whenever the thought of what happened comes up in your mind, kind of like the other two, you're me first, you're still angry. We have to admit, when we look in the mirror, we are so me first in so many ways, in what falls from our lips, in what goes through our minds, and in what we do with our activity. It is phenomenal, though, also to look not in the mirror, but to then look to Jesus and see how loving he is. He never geared up to fight against us, even though we were his sinful enemies full of me first fight. He never sized us up with our ugly sinning and ran away even though we ran away from Him in me-first flight. Jesus never froze in place waiting for someone else to handle the tough job even though we were full of me-first freeze. No, God's greatest love story is all about agape love, centering on how Jesus thought of you and treated you. The scripture says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. 
What a powerful thought. All the me first sinning, all the ranking systems we have in place, all the sinful fighting, the sinful fleeing, and the sinful freezing, Jesus dumped it all on Himself and took it to the cross, paying for it with His blood. Jesus then finished the job and rose from the dead without our sin touching Him any longer. He is the King of kings. He lives for eternity. He lives a life of love now as the King of kings, ruling all things in the best interest of His church. And when we think about His love for us, when we think about how Jesus was tough and anything but a coward, how He did anything it took to love us, even when we were unlovable, we now are brave to reflect His love in the way that we treat others in our lives. Listen to the verses for today, giving you an insight into how Jesus loved you. I'm going to substitute each word that is love for, for Jesus, and you can see how it sounds. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have Jesus, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have Jesus, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have Jesus, I gain nothing. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. He does not envy. He does not boast. He is not proud. He does not dishonor others. He is not self-seeking. He is not easily angered. He keeps no record of wrongs. Jesus does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. He always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Jesus never fails. As you size up the heart of Christ for you, be brave to have that same heart of love towards others. Be patient and kind instead of devouring others for a mistake. Be willing to take your time in love working with other people, being confident and assertive, yet never aggressive and irrational. Your heart will not envy, thinking that other people always have it better than you, always wanting something different. Your heart of love will not boast, be proud or rude, it won't be self-seeking with a puffed-up view of you that ridicules others and ranks them far lower. You won't be easily irritated, always blaming someone else for all of your problems. You won't keep a record of wrongs. My goodness, you won't be keeping careful track of how you always get hurt all the time. There will be no stewing or mulling over how to get even, no bringing it up again years later, no fighting fleeing or freezing, keeping a record of wrongs. What a nasty way to live. No more when you live a life of love in Christ for others. You won't any longer rejoice with injustice, but you will rejoice together with the truth. 
That's a really important one to remember. Because sometimes love is tough. Unconditional love doesn't mean uncritical love. Sometimes you need to say in love, hey, you're wrong. You need to stop. Love does not rejoice with injustice. Love does not rejoice with other people falling headfirst into sinful activity. Instead, it rejoices with the truth. Like a great waterproof seal on a ship, love always protects. Love also always believes, winning trust, keeping trust, growing trust. Love always hopes. Good things in the future are coming because of Christ. It's generally optimistic instead of the alternative. Love always endures. It holds its ground like an anchor and does not wither. Love simply never fails. It never collapses. It's never like that terrible plane crash that nose dives, leaves shrapnel everywhere, and makes everyone wonder what in the world just happened. This is the most excellent way. Living a life of love, out of love for God who loved you first. Do you want to make a difference in the world? This is the most excellent way. If Jesus is not in the picture in a relationship, it's just two egos duking it out. When Jesus is in the picture, though, it is bound by his love with all of these descriptions that we're working through today from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This life of love, it's the most excellent way to grow in a marriage and plan a family. This life of love, it's the most excellent way to decide how to spend money or save money. This life of love, it is the most excellent way to handle new opportunities and long-standing challenges as they come up. It's the most excellent way because love is what lasts forever. Take a look at the last verse, verse 13, a verse that's been familiar to many of you. Maybe you even have a hanging in your house that has this verse on it. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And you might be wondering the question, why? Why is the greatest one love? I think this might be getting at the answer. Faith is something we need now. We live on the sinful earth. We are small-minded. There's a lot we don't know. We have faith that God is right. We have faith in God's promises. We have faith that we're going to heaven one day. We walk by faith and not by sight. But we won't need faith for eternity. We only need faith during our earthly lives. One day we'll go to heaven and then we will have sight. We won't need faith anymore because Jesus will be right there in front of us. A similar thing with hope. Now we have hope in our eternal home in heaven being ours. Now we have hope that Jesus is with us every step of the day and he is working all things for good, bringing us relief at just the right time. We have hope for the future in Christ. But we won't need hope for eternity because one day when we go to heaven, there Jesus will be. We won't need to have hope for a better future because we will have such a blessed present in eternal glory. So faith and hope are just for a time, in a sense. 
But love is forever. We love Jesus now because He first loved us. We will love Him forever in heaven as love abounds between Jesus and us and all other Christians. Our risen King loved us first. Be brave to love all others all the time in Him. This is the most excellent way. Amen. Time is precious. Thank you so much for investing some of your time with us today. Could I ask you for one more favor? If you're enjoying this podcast, please don't forget to click subscribe and give us a rating. Just a few seconds of your time will help other people hear the simple, straightforward Bible message we offer. Thank you so much. God bless your day in Christ.